Welcome to our Roots Say That We're Sisters podcast. This podcast series is sponsored by the Marquette Forum with support from Marquette University's Office of Institutional Diversity and Inclusion and the Haggerty Museum of Art. It's an extension of a Marquette University mural project to highlight and uplift diverse women-identified individuals whose images and contributions have been systematically made invisible. The artist, Mauricio Ramirez, used photographs of BIPOC women associated with Marquette as inspiration for the images in the mural. The Our Roots Say That We're Sisters podcast preserves the stories of female-identifying students, faculty, staff, and alumni who've used their gifts to make a meaningful impact on others, especially those who remain unsung heroes. I'm your host, Sheena Carey, from the Diedrich College of Communication. Joining us today is Avelia Guerrero, a recent fresh Marquette alum, uh, May 21 in nursing, and who is now a registered nurse at Children's Hospital. Thank you for joining us today and being willing to share your story. Uh, Avelia, what is that story? Hi, well, thank you for having me. Um, today, I want to talk about the word first and the significance of it. I think it encompasses a lot of my identities being a first-generation college student and a first-generation U.S. citizen. And it's kind of um, really taking a grasp on the decisions that I make throughout my life and the way that my journey has come out. How do you identify? Well, I identify as a first-generation U.S. citizen. Both of my parents are from Mexico, and I was born here in the United States. Um, so I am a Latina here in this country, kind of figuring out what it means to be uh, in a, a U.S. citizen. Um, and I also identify as a first-generation college student. I'm the first in my family to go to Marquette, the first one to graduate and have a bachelor's degree. Um, and I think it holds a lot of weight on who I am and the decisions that I've made. So how did you get onto this path? Well, growing up, I think that my parents always instilled how important education was and that idea of the American dream. And the American dream to us, I think, was going to school, getting an education, kind of moving a leg up in the world, per se, um, or kind of the view that we had. Um not going to college was really never, never an option for me. And my parents made sure to push me to excel academically and push me to see that there's other things outside of just our little town or just being a small immigrant family. Um, so I remember when my brother was born, um, I was about 12 years old, and that's when I figured out that not only was I going to college, but I was going to be a nurse. My brother was a little premature baby. Um, he arrested and he was in the NICU for a while, and I saw the nurses care for him and my family and me in such a holistic way that I realized that you know, service is my path and the way that I can mix college and schooling and the American dream is to go to school to be a nurse. Um, and that just kind of propelled me to go to college and figure out that I wanted to be a nurse. So what are some of the ways in which your identity has informed the choices that you've made? Yeah, I think that my identity really drives a lot of my passions that have now become my career. Um, I see nursing as not just being a bedside nurse and offering direct patient care, but nursing is also a work of advocacy, especially for populations that are underserved by our healthcare systems or by health insurance or different um, healthcare disparities. And as an immigrant, as a as a daughter of immigrants, um, I saw those disparities play out in my own home, in our inability to 
sometimes access health care or us being fearful of going to health care um, because there's a lot of misconceptions by some of our immigrants that going to healthcare is equivalent to, you know, talking about deportation or getting onto that path. And so I remember how hard sometimes it was to go to the doctor for checkups or just to go get vaccines or things like that. Um, and so I see nursing as a work of advocacy as well. You know, we have to work to fix our healthcare. We have to work to fix those misconceptions and make those systems more accessible to our immigrants. Um, because I know what it's like to be in those in those steps or in, you know, be sitting there and not being afraid of, of going to the doctor's office. This is a little off the beaten <laughs> path, but um, I've heard of the concept of the curandera. Mm-hmm. Um, is there are are there ways in which you um, mesh the sort of the Western ways or, mm-hmm. or the, the way in which um, health care is provided um, in the United States with um, some of the expectations around, especially around um, Mexican immigrants who are coming um, to the United States for help. Yeah, uh, I grew up with my mom um, using a lot of home remedies when we were sick, which has also played into the idea that we didn't go to the doctor because we had things that we could use at home to help us make make us feel better. Um, and a lot of those aren't things that are necessarily endorsed by standard healthcare. But now as a nurse, um, especially when I have Latino or Hispanic patients, I like to, you know, remind them of those home remedies and talk to them about what we're doing in the hospital and how that's different from what we would do at home and really provide them a comfort um, and take kind of that curandera aspect into the hospital and tell them that, hey, well, I'm giving your child this medicine for this, but they would also benefit from you holding them and giving them a hug or bringing some of their home toys or, you know, giving them some of your teas that you like to give them. So it's a really a mixture and it's really great to see when you walk into a Latino patient's room and you speak Spanish to them and you're able to communicate well, how much, you know, they kind of light up and they're able to actually communicate with you and kind of use kind of the best of both worlds of our Western medicine and also our home remedies to help the, the child feel better. Thank you for letting me veer yeah. off a little bit. <laughs> Um, what are the ways in which the mural project has resonated for you? Uh, the mural is another first on campus. It's the first time I've ever seen anything like this. There's been other forms of art on our campus, but I've never seen something that actually looks like me or something that actually resonated for me. For me, I've never really had a favorite piece of art on campus until this mural came up. You know, I see someone on the mural that looks exactly like me, even down to the flowers of her shirt that represent my culture so well. Um, and it just all kind of came at a right time. I had just been elected student body president and I am the first Latina that was elected into that role. And it was just so symbolic that you know, not only can I run and win for a position like this, but my university is willing to back me up and to place a rep- a physical representation of that on our campus for everyone to see. So it all kind of came at a very beautiful and symbolic moment. Um, and it holds a lot of deep meaning because I see myself so directly represented in that mural and on my campus because of it. Well, I was really excited by your win as well. I was like, <laughs> Um, uh, what has been Marquette's impact on women of color? I think the impact is slow and steady over the years. Um, I can speak for myself, and I think for a lot of the stories that I've heard as student body president, that at first, women of color, when you come to campus, you don't necessarily feel 
heard or seen or represented. But I think as our programming has evolved, as our staff has evolved, as our culture on our campus has evolved, we've become a place that's more open to uplifting and putting the and amplifying the voices of women of color on our campus. Um, and so by the end of, you know, my junior and senior year, I felt much more heard and seen and I felt like I could speak up and someone could listen. There were spaces that maybe weren't meant for me when I first started at Marquette, but that I had now infiltrated and felt like I had earned and deserved my spot at that table to speak and to express how how I felt and how I had been mistreated and how we could move forward from it as well. Are there specific ways in which Marquette has impacted your sense of self-worth? Yeah, I think um, especially through my work with student government, we call it MUSG for sure, for short. Um, it has taught me, you know, that I am valuable and that I do bring something to the table. I remember one of the first times that we had a meeting with kind of our bigger administration and they held on to every word that I said. They listened to the concerns that I have and they listened to the concerns of the students that I was bringing and they validated those concerns and they gave me action steps that they were doing to fix those problems. Um, and it, it was the first time that someone really listened to my concerns and actually took action behind them. And it was very, it was very heartening to hear that and to see that. Um, and I think from there, it's expanded to wherever I go, to whatever space I go, even in the nursing world, um, speaking up and knowing that what I'm saying has worth and it means something and not letting others kind of put me down because of it. Who are some of the women who have inspired you, women of color um, or otherwise? Yeah, I think the first person that comes to mind um, is my mom. She immigrated to this country without knowing anyone. Um, There's no one else from her family here. Um, And I just see such power in her. And she's she's fought all these years to make a living, to have a wonderful family, to make sure that we were raised well and we're never missing anything, often sacrificing things for herself. Um, my mom didn't finish school. She doesn't have a post-secondary education. There's a lot of things in her life that she hasn't done that I'm not able to do. And that's just so inspiring, the amount of self-sacrifice that she's done um, for the for the good of a family that she didn't even know she was going to have. Um, so I think that's one of the biggest influences that I have in most inspiring women of color that, that I know. And then after I left for college, you know, people like Terry Garcia um, and Amber Johnson in the College of Nursing really impacted me and helped me Help me elevate what it meant to be a nurse of color. Um, and then people like Demetri Anderson and MUSG really helped me make sure that I was amplifying my voice as student body president and not just being quiet and meek and actually fiercely advocating for students. What's the role um, of vulnerability in this growth um, that you are experiencing? I think that as a daughter of immigrant, you're often taught not to share your feelings and kind of hold it back for the good of your family, um, for the progress of that American dream. But what I found out throughout my journey of Marquette is that you have to be vulnerable for people to understand where you're coming from. I think often we're labeled as, you know, stone cold and you don't want to share your feelings because people will see you as weak. But I think that I found that being vulnerable with those around me helped them understand where I was coming from and helped them understand why I worked the way I do and why I was advocating for certain causes for for those reasons. Um, I opened up to a lot of students about, you know, 
the struggle of being a first-generation college student or the struggle of being the eldest daughter of immigrant parents or the pressures that society has on you for those for those specific identities. Um, and I think that people began to understand the importance of why we advocate for first college uh, first generation college students and why we advocate for our DACA students or for immigrant families on this camp on our campus and things like that. So being open and vulnerable with people, I think, really helps them actually see the bigger picture. How have um, other women of color help you um, navigate or negotiate um, these um, areas of vulnerability? Yeah, I remember um, one of the first times that I sat down to meet with Amber Johnson. She helps with Project Beyond too in the College of Nursing. We had just met for the first time, and I just bawled to her um, with kind of what was going on in my life at the moment. I was really struggling. I was homesick. School wasn't going all that great. Um, I had just met her, and I just started crying in her office and talking to her about how hard it was to be a nurse um, and a daughter and all these things. And she just listened to me and she helped me navigate my feelings and she helped me develop action steps on how to, you know, control my emotions and how to express my emotions to others. Um, and she told me that it was okay, that it was okay to cry, it's okay to be sad because it is hard. Um, but she gave me also that advice and that empowerment to to get through it and to find ways to cope with it in a healthy way. Um, and I just am so grateful for that because she took the time to actually listen, um, but then turn around also and give me, you know, work to do to, to get better and to be better. So women of color have had a great impact on you. What impact do you hope to have on women of color coming behind you, walking beside you, maybe even have already sort of gone past you? <laughs> Yeah, there is. That's such a multifaceted um, response that I have, because in one side of things, as you know, an ex-student body president, I always said, well, I'm the first, I won't be the last. So one of my first hopes is that there'll continue to be um, student body presidents of color, more specifically women of color, because we've just had so few. Um, and so I keep my eye on campus. I know that there's student leaders that are growing and learning and are ready to run for those positions. So I hope to see them continue to put themselves in those spaces and run and win and lead. Um, in the nursing side of things, I want to see, you know, Project Beyond continue to grow. I want to see the diversity in our nursing class continue to grow and expand um, so that in turn, the nursing workforce becomes more diverse because I'm, you know, right now I'm one of two Latinas on my unit and we need more. We definitely need more in, in the force. Um, and it's so empowering to see nurses of color and their interactions with patients of color. So that's kind of my biggest hope, too, is to see that that diverse nursing workforce grow. Um, and then from a personal kind of selfish point, too, I love to see other, you know, daughters of immigrants go to college and get their degree. And I hope that, you know, seeing that I was able to make it through, even with some humps, um, I hope that inspires others to go to college and to get their bachelor's, to get their master's, to get their PhD if they if they want to, if that's something that they they like. I hope I serve as some type of spark for someone to, you know, say that yeah, I can do that. I can go to school and I can I can get a doctorate and I can do all of those things because I know that someone before me has done it, which means that I can do it too. 
Well, you're talking about hope there. So mm-hmm. what are your hopes for Marquette's future? Um, and what are your hopes for your own future? Um, for Marquette, I hope that they continue to lean in into those tough conversations, into those conversations of race and inequities and what our culture is actually like versus what we want it to be like. Um, I think the student leaders on the ground are doing such a great job right now of pushing our administration to to lean into those conversations and to change their policies or change our curriculum to to meet the needs of our students. Um, so I continue to hope to see that work, and I hope to continue to see a positive ref- response from Marquette as a whole um, of wanting to lean into diversity and wanting to lean into fixing our inequities on our campus. Um, personally, I am very new to my nursing career, so my hope for the next couple of years is to continue to learn and grow as a nurse, be the best nurse that I can be, um, serve my patients holistically, and meet all of their needs. Um, one day, I really like this idea of nursing um, as being service, and I hope to be able to give back and be able to teach you know new nurses how to how to treat their patients with respect and with compassion. Um, that's, of course, along the road. But I think that in order for me to fulfill that idea of service, um, after being a nurse for several years, I want to be able to turn around and give that knowledge back to others to make sure that they're fulfilling what it means to be a Marquette nurse once they are out and about. So what else would you like the community to know about you and your journey? Um, I think that my journey is just one of many of daughter of immigrants and first generation college students that are a success story. Um, and success doesn't only mean, you know, graduating college and getting a job, but it means being able to leave Marquette um, or leave your university and see the world with a different lens. I think, you know, sometimes you grow up a little bit closed-minded because you're focused on getting food and getting money and paying rent and things like that, you know, fulfilling our basic needs. And I was able to leave college with just a bigger understanding of why we focus on those things as immigrants and first-generation college students, but also that the possibilities are endless. My mind is so much more open now to, you know, learning about social justice, learning about climate change, learning about all these different topics that I was never exposed to um, as a younger child or in high school. And so I want to let the community know that it's okay to learn and grow and let ourselves focus on different things besides our basic necessities, because that's kind of the next step in the American dream is being able to learn about other things that we were never exposed to at first, and then using that knowledge to give back and serve back to our community. It's interesting. I was reading an article about um, the origins of Maslow's hierarchy of mm-hmm. needs, and they're actually indigenous origins. And the way that it's presented by Maslow is that it's sort of an individual striving. But the way the indigenous people, um, I, I can't I believe it was the Blackfoot tribe, uh, Blackfoot nation, um, kind of crafted this thought, it's about the role of community and family um, and that we are actually born already self-actualized. It's not something that we strive toward. And it's the role of the community and family to help us maintain that. I, I know that family is important to you. Is there something you'd like the community to know about your relationship to your family? Yeah, it's it's interesting that you bring up bring that up actually because my family and I are, are just we're so close. We've always been so close and I 
used to get really homesick in college because I didn't get to see them. And this idea of the hierarchy of needs is is kind of similar to our my family situation right now. You know, when I went to college, it's almost like we all went to college together because I would come home and share with them what I learned. I brought my siblings to campus for sleepovers. They were always on campus. They knew what I was doing. They knew what I was up to. Um, and when I graduated, it's like they graduated with me. You know, that degree isn't just for me. It's for them as well um, because we're so close, because they supported me, because they were there every step of the way. They were there in the high points when I was happy and the low points when I was crying in the library. Um, and just to remind the community that, you know, for your student to be successful in college, it really takes a village. Um, and that family unit is so important because they need your support. They need you to tell them that it's okay to not come home on the weekends because you have to study and that it's okay if they miss some family gatherings because they have a test or they have some other obligations on campus to do. And it was just so, such a beautiful journey that I took with my family through college because they were there every step of the way and they knew what I was doing. They knew the gravity of what I was doing. So really when I crossed that stage, um, it wasn't just for me, it was for my entire family and it's with my entire family. Thank you so much for sharing your story with us today, Avelia Guerrero. Thank you. Your story stands as a testament to the amazing stories in our community yet to be uncovered. Our roots say that we're sisters podcast and the mural project seek to make these stories visible. Again, thanks to our sponsor, the Marquette Forum, Marquette's Office of Institutional Diversity and Inclusion, and the Haggerty Museum of Art for your support for this project. <laughs>